in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 44. I'll read this for us. Uh, verse 30, let's begin. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Amen. This is the word of God. Uh, amen. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, hello, everyone. Again, uh, welcome to church. Uh, we didn't do this before, and I love to do this. Can I just get everyone to wave for the screen so I know you guys are there? Nice. A little interaction for the day. Uh, it really is good to see you guys. Thanks for coming to church. Um, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Peter, and I am serving on staff here at Kingsway as one of the pastors, and it's my joy and privilege to be able to open up the word with you guys today. Uh, as you may know, we've been going through the book of Mark together the last few months, and today we find ourselves in a very familiar passage, I'm sure. Um, but I hope to show you guys some things here that you may not have seen before, uh, and my prayer is that you guys would be encouraged, as I have been uh, finding these things in our passage. And so I'm going to pray and ask God for help, and then we're going to dive into our text and see what the Lord has for us today. So why don't you guys join me? Um, as I pray. Let's pray. Um, dear God, we humbly ask you for your help this morning uh, to not just hear man speak for 20 to 30 minutes, but by your spirit and through your word to hear you speak. Uh, Lord, it is our desire to know you more and understand to a deeper measure how great your love is for us. God, I pray for the Christians and non-Christians here uh, that you would bring comfort uh, that you would bring conviction and that you would lead us to surrender. Uh, Won't you help us, Lord, to worship you in this time? I need your help. Help me to speak with clarity and authority and help us all, Lord, to hear the message that you have for our church today. It's all for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so today, like I said earlier, we find ourselves in a very familiar portion of the Bible. You have most likely heard this story before. Uh, and you most likely have an idea of what the kind of point of this story is. And rightfully so. Uh, it's an incredible and famous miracle. Um, it's the only miracle apart from the resurrection of Jesus that comes out in all four Gospels. I guess it shows the significance of that. But here in this amazing text and surrounding this very famous miracle are actually some really important lessons that I think we can draw as Christians and followers of him today. Lessons that I believe 
uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples at the time that we can directly apply to ourselves as we seek to be his disciples today. And my prayer is that we would not be distracted by the miracle that we see here, but rather that our eyes and our hearts would be drawn to the one at the center of the miracle, um, Jesus Christ. Uh, see his character and recognize again his power and that uh, whether for the first time or for the first time in a long time, we would place our faith in him today. I have three points for us today, three lessons that I think Jesus was teaching his disciples through our passage, and I've titled them The Call to Do Less, The Call to Do More, and The Call to Do What You Can. The Call to Do Less, The Call to Do More, and The Call to Do What You Can. And I'll flesh them out as we go through each of them. But let's begin with the first one, and it's The Call to Do Less. And this is a lesson about rest. You know, I'm constantly amazed how often the Bible references this idea of rest and how important it is that Christians rest, rest well, and rest frequently. And that's what we find again in the opening of our text today. To give you guys a bit of context, the disciples back in Mark chapter 6 verse 7, they were sent out by Jesus on, a, on their very first mission trip, if you guys remember. Jesus uh, gives them authority over the evil spirits. And two by two, the Bible says, Jesus sends them out to do his works. And now in this passage, uh, they've come back from their trip. Uh, and they have testimonies of things that they have done, that they have seen, the things that have happened. And that's how our passage opens up. Verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So in a nutshell, the mission trip was successful, right? They did amazing things in Jesus' name. Uh, they went out and taught um, about the kingdom of God. Every, everything went really well. And so you would expect Jesus to compliment them or celebrate with them, or send them out again, right? But what we see Jesus do here in response to that is actually quite surprising. Verse 31, 32. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away into the boat to a desolate place by themselves. And I love this. Because you see, Jesus recognizes on a very human level that these guys must be tired and hungry because it's been quite busy for them. And so he directs them to come away from everything, to put down your responsibilities for a moment, come to a quiet place with me and just rest, eat, and let's recover. You see, Jesus cares for his disciples. Uh, he's not just this greedy manager wanting to uh, milk his people and get the best performance out of them. No, he cares for them. He cares for their well-being. And he calls them as a result to do less for a while and just rest. And does that not immediately show us the character of our Lord Jesus Christ? That he is a king that cares about his people. And he's concerned more about the well-being than their works. And so he calls them to rest. I, I love this image of Jesus kindly taking his disciples away onto a retreat to eat, to play, to rest in their tiredness because he cares for them. And I'm confident he would have done that even if they didn't come back with amazing testimonies. That's who Jesus is. And I wonder if that brings you any comfort to know that this Jesus that we find in our passage is our Jesus today. Let me ask you, how many of you guys feel really tired today um, or have felt quite tired for a while? Running for the Lord, serving his church, loving his people, honoring his word every day. You know, I think the reality is uh, being a Christian, as joyful as it is, it can often get quite tiring. Uh, I can testify. Because, I mean, on a human level, there is, like, so much to do, right? Sunday service, daily prayer, growth groups, meeting with Christians, prayer nights, mission trips, church events, camps, ministry, like, so much to do. 
And then we have the rest of whatever life throws at us in our families, in our workplaces and our relationships. And so it's so easy to go through the motions. And even though so often we feel burnt out or tired physically, spiritually, emotionally, we don't know what to do about this spiritual restlessness that just kind of we feel. And perhaps because of a culture that deems hard work and high performance as good, good work and good value, we don't allow ourselves the space to just breathe, to do less and just let ourselves rest. And if any of that resonates with you and you, and you do sit here and you feel a little tired, here's the word of comfort for us today. Jesus cares for you and he invites you today to rest with him and in him. I'm reminded of a passage in Matthew chapter seven uh, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Because you see, Jesus is not concerned about the works we can do for him. He is more concerned about our relationship with him. And here by, by inviting the disciples to get away and rest with him, he is reminding them of what's more important, which is their relationship with him. And how many of us have forgotten this today? In the midst of ministry, doing things for God, living, trying to live as a faithful Christian, we forget to, you know, ironically, forget to spend quality time in prayer and surrender at his feet. Which if you think about it, is actually much, much easier just to sit at his feet and enjoy him. But our world, doesn't, it doesn't work that way, does it? it? It actually feels more like a waste of time sometimes. And so the, so the word reminds us again today with the call to do less, to simply find rest in Christ day to day, for, for that is in fact more important. And that is probably what Jesus would want more than things that we can give and do for him. And I think that's so comforting. But what does that look like? Well, practically speaking, uh, that might just mean spending some time in prayer and meditation with the Lord outside of church. Just like learning to enjoy him and learning to be a Christian again. I think some of us just need to learn to be a Christian again, learn to enjoy and, and love him again. For me, when I feel out of sync, like praise music does that. When I just sit and put my headphones on and just blast like praise music, it helps my soul rest. If your faith feels more like a chore than a joy, and I know for a lot of us it does oftentimes, then you probably haven't rested in Jesus in a long, long time. Or perhaps you're simply doing too much and you're just burning out. Maybe you need to stop serving so much at church and doing so much at church. I, I really hope that this doesn't make people like quit ministries and stuff. Um, but like if, if, if we're not loving Jesus first and the passion for God is not there, then like what we're giving is, is in some ways quite meaningless, I think. And so maybe some of us, you know, like who says you always need to be serving, you always need to be leading, you always need to be doing something at church. Maybe you just need to do a little less. Maybe you need to try to stop trying to do so much for God and just give yourself the space and even the time to be a child again and rest in him. Just be a Christian. Perhaps that's what you need. And on a side note, I think this is why it's so important we send our pastors away on a break every now and then. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not asking for a break. Daniel and I are fine. We're, we're part-time. We're we, we, we cool. 
Um, I actually, I'm speaking actually more on behalf of Pastor Paul. Because when does he get to be a Christian? Right? When, when does he get to just be a child before God? When does he get to just, just enjoy and worship God without, you know, the burden of having to lead and shepherd this, this group? And I really hope we can be a church that can send our pastor, our senior pastor away and just give him some time to rest, to be a child, to read the Bible, not to teach it, but to, to enjoy God, to be restored and refilled with passion and love for Jesus and come back and, and continue to lead our church. And it's really more for us than, than for him in some ways. But for all of us here today, I hope we hear this. Uh, Jesus cares for us. I hope you see that in today's passage. He cares for us so much so that we know he came to our world to die for us on the cross in order that through sacrifice, our eternal rest in God's kingdom will be secure. That's Jesus' priority. That's his character. That's his concern. So that's practice running to him again today, particularly if you know you need rest. For he says, Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, the second thing we find in our passage today is the call to do more. And this is a lesson about love and compassion. Though perhaps may, we all may need to learn to do a little less when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, uh, we are still called as Christians today in the great commandments to love our neighbors well. And our passage uh, goes on to example what that truly looks like in and through Jesus. So let's go back to the passage. We, we, we found Jesus and disciples, they're on their way to rest. And this happens, verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. You see, not only was Jesus famous at this point, the disciples had just come back from doing some crazy things in Jesus' name. And so they had also developed a bit of a following. And so there's just crowds following them. And this crowd, they saw Jesus and the disciples going, and they saw where they were going. And the Bible says they ran ahead of them and got there before them, which is kind of creepy. But here's some real talk. I think this is the reality of ministry uh, and, and living as a follower of Christ. Sometimes we may be in a season where we need rest, or maybe we, like the disciples, are already, already taking some time to rest. But the reality is the needs of those around us doesn't wait for us to finish resting. And sometimes the need to help and support those who are hurting around us is just greater. A, a commentator I read, he, says, he said this, he said, even while resting, be prepared for ministry if necessary. A devoted follower of Jesus is never off duty. And Jesus examples this in verse 34. It says, when he, got, when, he, uh, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And so Jesus sees this crowd. He sees that they are lost in their hearts. And so he shows compassion upon them. And, I, and here is where I think uh, we can learn our lesson because Jesus shows his compassion in two ways in our passage. Firstly, we see in verse 34, we, see, we find that Jesus immediately begins to teach them many things. And what he is doing here is he is tending to their spiritual needs. You know, sometimes that is the most important thing that people need, uh, to hear the truth, to hear about God's kingdom, and essentially find salvation, find faith in Christ. Jesus recognizes that, that this is the primary need of these people. And so he begins to minister to them in this way and you know i actually don't think we struggle all that much with this step to be honest with you i mean it's the christian's job right to pray for pray for someone to talk about jesus to encourage them to send them a text 
telling them the promises of God and speaking some truth into their lives, right? I think in some ways, I actually think it's quite easy to tend to this need because we know that the spiritual needs are fulfilled by God. And so we can pray from afar. We can preach from afar. We can wish them well from afar and hope it goes well. God will do the rest, right? But a surprising thing happens next in our passage, verse 35, 36. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and an hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, this is a, a harmless comment. Jesus and his disciples have been ministering to these people for quite a while now, doing ministry, doing what Christians are meant to do, love, pray for, tell them about God's kingdom. And now that, the, now that it's late, the disciples are like, all right, it's time to wrap up. These guys are probably hungry. Let's send them away now so they can get some food. Totally appropriate, right? But to that, Jesus responds, verse 37. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And here is the second way in which Jesus shows compassion to these people in our passage. Not only does he tend to their spiritual needs, he tends to their physical needs as well. And we aren't quite there yet, but we'll see throughout our passage that Jesus, he does feed them spiritually and later on physically as well. And honestly, I think this is where it starts to get a little bit harder for us as Christians. You might disagree, uh, but I think it's actually easy to do all the things I said above. I mean, it still takes effort. It still takes a genuine heart, but it's kind of more obvious to us as Christians to pray for or encourage or affirm someone in Christ, tell them to come to church and stuff like that. But the question that Jesus is asking when he says, you give them something to eat, is really, are you willing to go all the way to help these people? Are you willing to do more for the sake of compassion and love? He said, I don't think the disciples meant any harm. Um, they just recognized that these people were hungry, right? But they also had the attitude that was satisfied with, with just doing the bare minimum, doing what Christians are meant to do, but not necessarily more than that. And as I read this, I know I am so guilty of this. I felt quite convicted as I read this, and I wonder if you guys can relate. Uh, brothers and sisters, we are living in a time where love, care, and compassion matters more than ever, right? And yes, it is important that we pray for those around us, those who are struggling with emotional and mental health through this season, those who feel lonely and those who feel disconnected, those who don't have Christ to giving, the, giving them hope through this season. Yes, it is important that we preach good news to them, remind them of the hope that can be found in Christ, tell them to come to church, pray for them, tend to their spiritual needs, which again is monumentally important. But perhaps what they need more than anything right now is just an example of Christ's love expressed to them through you in the form of a friendship, in the form of genuine care and communication, in the form of practical commitment and love and support. You see, and I'm speaking from personal experience, it's much easier to care about the spiritual needs of someone because it's not really up to me, it's up to God. But what about the things that are up to me? Are we willing to go that extra mile? I mean, we aren't meeting in person yet, but when we do meet in person, it means more than doing the bare minimum. Not just saying hi to that newcomer and walking away, but maybe taking them out to lunch with everyone. 
not just wishing somebody well, but following up and looking out for them in different ways, not just hearing someone's struggles and praying for them once, but going out of our ways to support them physically and practically throughout their lives. Imagine if our church was a community that was willing to do more all the time for the sake of loving others. I know so many people who would have been less hurt by church if we were willing to do more. I know so many people who might have stuck around and developed a relationship with Jesus if I was willing to do more. You give them something to eat, Jesus says. What, what more can we do today for those who are in need around us? And before we think about how bothersome that is, let's think about how we got here. And let's take example from Christ first, who was first willing to do more for our sake. He who was willing to take on flesh, walk this earth as a man, and die a death he did not deserve in order to love us and save us. Brothers and sisters, this is the love with which we have been loved. And this is the love we are called to imitate as Christians today. And so here is the word. Let us do more so that more might be led to Christ around us and through us. Thirdly and finally, in this famous passage, we finally get to the miracle. And we see the call to do what we can. And this is a lesson about trust. Uh, I wonder if you've ever felt like you were in an impossible situation. Uh, or maybe you find yourself in a situation like that right now, where you feel kind of stuck. You know, as we live life, we will often find ourselves in situations bigger than ourselves, in circumstances that may feel impossible. Uh, perhaps it's the salvation of someone we love. Perhaps it's the health of someone we care about. Perhaps it's the trajectory of life not going the way that we hoped or planned, or genuine, or perhaps it's just genuine tragedy that comes our way. Whatever it is, the reality is, it's hard to believe that it's all going to work out when we see a mountainous task like that just kind of sitting in front of us. And you know, in some ways, that is probably the frustration that the disciples felt when Jesus tells them, you, you give them something to eat. When he tells them, you feed these more than 5,000 men and probably 5,000 more women and probably even more children. We see that frustration in verse 37 when Jesus says, you give them something to eat. The disciples respond by saying, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Like there is some obvious sarcasm here. And that's the point, that the task that Jesus calls these disciples to do is straight up impossible in their eyes. But Jesus continues to push them. And he asks, verse 38, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. For me, the words that stand out here is go and see. In other words, Jesus is saying, all right, just, just go and do what you can. Don't worry about the, the impossible task for now. Just go and do what you can. And so they do. And then Jesus gives them another task to fulfill. Verse 39 to 40, sit them down. And so they do. In 50s and 100s, the Bible says, which is meant to actually remind us of Moses and the, and the Israelites in the Old Testament who sat in these numbers before God poured out manna or bread from the sky to provide for them. And so this seating arrangement is symbolic of God's providence and foreshadows something crazy is about to happen. And sure enough, it does. Verse 41, 42. 
And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Jesus begins to break the bread and break the fish. And we don't exactly know how the food kept reappearing, but it did. He kept breaking it, and the food kept reappearing. He kept breaking it, and there was more food. Crazy stuff. And then it says in verse 42, and here's the powerful part, I think. And they all ate and were satisfied. And verse 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. The first thing is, all the people, the Bible says, ate and were satisfied. They were full. You know, this miracle would be crazy even if everybody had like a little bite each. That's just how many people there were. This would be a crazy miracle if everyone had a little bite each and they were still kind of hungry. But I mean, everyone had a taste. I mean, and Jesus started with five loaves and two, two fish, right? Who's going to complain? But that's just not how Jesus rolls. He makes sure everyone was satisfied. So then what about the 12 baskets that were left over? Did Jesus miscalculate? No. And I love this. Why was there 12 baskets? Well, how many disciples were there? 12. Jesus was providing for them as well. Maybe in preparation to send them out again, or just because he knows they haven't eaten because they've been serving, whatever the case. Again, we see Jesus kind of love and care for his disciples come out here. But more importantly, in the satisfaction of the people and the 12 baskets left over, we get to see what God is like, that he is precise in provision. He does not make mistakes. He does not guess. He's not figuring it out as he goes, as we often do. No, he has a perfect plan to provide perfectly for us. And all we are called to do, as the disciples were called to do in our passage, is just do what we can. Uh, you know, there's a term in basketball, and maybe it applies to other sports as well, I'm not sure. Uh, but we say it when we're losing, and maybe the game feels like it's kind of over already. Um, and, you know, the point difference is huge. We say one play at a time. Uh, don't worry about the 20 to 30 points that, you know, it feels so far and so hard, you know, to come back from because you might lose heart and motivation. Don't look at that. Just defend and attack one play at a time. One play at a time, and let's see what happens. You know, I think that's what some of us here need to be told today. Especially if you feel like you're facing an impossible task, a difficult situation. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is promising that God will do a miracle in your life in the way that you picture it or you want it in your life. As easy and as you know, comfortable as that would be. No, God in his perfect wisdom, he has a perfect plan to provide perfectly for us. Whether that means granting us understanding and peace in our hearts, or whether that means actually bringing healing or miraculous transformations in and around us. We don't know. We are just simply called to trust in God in our tough situations. Just take it one play at a time and do what we can today. And maybe that just means praying right now. That's all you can do. Then so be it. Or maybe it is to do your due diligence relationally to whoever you're praying for and do that. Maybe, just, maybe it's just to talk about it. And, and lament and struggle through it for now. Just do that. 
God will take whatever you can muster. And I believe he can and he will use that to provide perfectly for us, for you and I. To do incredible things through us and to show us some amazing things in our lives. Just do what you can. Look to God and trust in his providence. And as, as Philippians says, I trust if we do this, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus today. And we may, who knows, see some crazy things in our lives. Some crazy testimonies. Which is, in a kind of cool way, where this passage began. The, the disciples coming back with testimonies of how, by Jesus' power and authority, crazy things happened in and through their lives. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where everyone's at and what word they, that you are in need of today. Uh, perhaps you are in need of the call to do less. Uh, you've been running so hard for so long, but you have forgotten to just enjoy God and love Christ. If that is you, I, I pray that you would practice rest today um, and for this next season. And that doesn't mean stop coming to church. Um, I think it means actively spending time with God and making space in your life for God. Uh, come to church, uh, not to give, but to worship. And just be restored in your hearts in this next season. Focus on that. Uh, perhaps maybe you're in need of the call to do more. Uh, God's placed some real need around you in your life today in the form of people and struggles and tragedy. And you know you could do more to help and to love those around you. If that is you, I pray that you would see both the physical and spiritual needs of our neighbors. Ask God for the strength and conviction and actively seek to love and lead in a manner that examples the full compassion of Christ that we know first in the gospel. So that we can help and love and serve those around us better. Or perhaps you are in need of the call to just do what you can. Uh, you're in a tough season. You have some real tough things that you're praying about, praying through and worried about and thinking about. If that is you, I encourage you, look to God. Again, the perfect provider. The one who loves us so much that he sent his own son to die for us. And trusting his plans for our lives, uh, I encourage you, uh, just do what you can today. Ask God for the strength of just today and do what you can. And ask for tomorrow's strength tomorrow. Don't worry about that for now. And take it one play at a time and see what God does to provide for you and what miracles uh, God provides in our lives. Uh, wherever you're at, whatever you know you need, I pray that today we would approach God and ask him to help us uh, to do less, to do more, and to just do what we can today. Amen? Amen.